Welcome to Gateway Church's podcast. Wherever you're tuning in from, we hope you're encouraged by today's message. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Oh, you all look so happy, and I believe you'll be even happier when you leave. You can be seated. God bless you. Thank you. Well, you saw my handsome husband walk me up here. We've been married 56 years. That's a good while to be married to somebody. And uh, I've had the privilege of teaching God's Word now for 45 years. Just, just this month, we celebrated our 30th year of being on TV. And... Uh, we're actually on in about 100 languages around the world, so I feel like we're reaching a few people, and that's exciting. Uh, don't you love to help people? I mean, I, I think that nothing makes you happier than helping people. And if the devil has ever done anything to you and you want to get him back, <laughs> the Bible says in Romans 12, 21, that you overcome evil with good. The best way to get the enemy back is to just go and be good to somebody. Amen? Well, Dave and I recently had to get hearing aids. He had to get two, and I only had to get one. I want to mention that. And uh, I don't know what's wrong with his ears, but his kept falling out, so he had to take them back and get them made bigger. But I guess it's nice, but in a way, we, we kind of didn't like it because... We've had so much fun not hearing each other. It's, and, and the thing that's funnier than anything else is when you say something to somebody and you can tell by the look on their face that they really don't know what you said. So I said to Dave one time, I was, we were in the car, and I said, you know, I just heard this pastor in New York, and I told him the name, I said, he's been caught having several affairs and he got this really funny look on his face, and I thought, okay, here it comes. He don't know what I said. And he said, why do they need so many bears in New York? <laughs> Father, I pray this morning that the word that I bring will be exactly what people need to hear, and that it won't just be information, but it'll be revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. I started last night a three-part series on dealing with stress. And uh, I'll be teaching a different message in the next service. So if you want to hang around and get it all, you're welcome to do that. I just want to say a couple of things that I said last night. I can't go over all of it, but a few things were too important to pass up. First of all, how often do you hear yourself complaining about everything you have to do? None of you do that, huh? <laughs> I guess I might as well go home then. I got the wrong group. One time I was complaining to God about everything I had to do. Nobody can be expected to do this much. And the thing I heard him speak in my heart is, you made your schedule. If you don't like it, change it. You know, we're the ones that say yes to all the things we complain about later. And so I challenged everybody last night, if you feel like you're stressed out, just go home and write a list of everything you're doing 
and then just one by one go over it and ask yourself two questions. Number one, is this bearing good fruit? And number two, why am I doing it? So often we find that our motive for what we're doing is not right at all. We're doing it to keep somebody else from getting upset with us. Or this is a really southern one. We're, we don't know why we're doing it. We're just doing it because we've always done it. And God may have gotten done with it 10 years ago, and we're still doing it. And then another thing I said that I thought was really important is that God will never give you more to do than what you can do peacefully. Amen? So, if you're praying for peace all the time, first thing I want you to know is you already have peace. Jesus said in John 14, 27, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you, but my own special peace I now give and bequeath unto you. So stop allowing yourselves to be upset and disturbed. And stop letting yourselves be fearful and intimidated. So he's done his part. You know, really, there's nothing else that God needs to do for us. We're always asking him to do something. But really, what we need is to receive everything he has done and begin to act like we really believe it and live our lives accordingly. And so I was a person who... Grew up with a lot of stress. I came from one of those dysfunctional households. No peace in the house, full of stress all the time. My father was sexually abusive toward me. And my mother had a lot of nerve problems because she knew what he was doing but didn't have the courage to do anything about it. And that's all I ever remember is fear and stress. I had stress for so long that I didn't even know it was stress. I thought it was normal. And that's really sad when you think that being upset is a normal state. Actually, when God finally taught me to be peaceful, and I know this is going to sound strange, but it's true, at first I was bored. <laughs> I was so used to being in a turmoil all the time that I was like, what is this? You know, <laughs> kind of boring. Not to have something to worry about or complain about or murmur about. But stress really is probably one of our biggest problems today. And there may be a few people that don't have any. My husband probably doesn't have any. I don't know if Dave even knows what the word means, but <laughs> I've had enough for both of us, so it's probably a good thing. And uh, God has changed me so much, so much. I used to get set up upset about everything, and now I really have learned how to hold my peace because I've learned that it's really pretty useless to keep trying to do something about something you can't do anything about. Let me say that again. It's pretty much useless to keep trying to do something about something you can't do anything about. For example, you can't change people. And even if you do threaten them enough to get them to modify their behavior, you still haven't changed them. Because true change has to come from the inside out. You can't make somebody love God. You may have children that just aren't there yet. 
you'll make much more progress praying for them than you ever would trying to talk them into something. Amen? The best thing you can do is pray for them and be a good example in front of them. And they'll remember that more than they will remember anything else. So we create a lot of stress for ourselves by not liking things that people are doing and trying to make them not do them. And a lot of times we want people to change so we can be happier. But we have to understand that we can be happy even if they don't want to be. If your joy is dependent on how somebody asks, acts, then that makes you a codependent. And you don't want to be that way. You don't want to wait to find out what mood your spouse is going to be in before you decide what mood you can be in. You can make your mind up that you're going to be happy and be in a good mood and be a positive person and enjoy your life no matter what anybody else does. And you can do that. Amen? So... There are very devastating effects of stress. And I know it firsthand because I had a semi falling apart three different times, but the last time was a major event. It was about five years ago and started in November of 2014, I guess, or no, 17, December of 17. And I actually, something happened to my voice and my throat, and I got what's called burning mouth disease. A lot of doctors had never even heard of it, but my tongue and the roof of my mouth felt like it was absolutely on fire. And it was, uh, made, my, vo my, made my, my mouth and my throat really dry, so dry that I could hardly speak. And so, for the first time ever, I had to cancel a speaking engagement, which made me sad, but it took me five years to get back to where I felt normal. And when I, a friend of mine put me in the hospital in Houston, and uh, actually Dr. Paul Osteen, and uh, had some really top-notch doctors do every kind of test you could do. They said, you are really healthy. I thought, well, why do I feel so bad? <laughs> You ever been there? It's like you just felt so bad. You go to the doctor and they said, there's nothing wrong. It's stress. Well, I thought, you're giving me stress, telling me it's stress. Because <laughs> I didn't want it to be stress. I thought stress meant you couldn't handle life. And I wanted them to just give me a pill so I could go home and feel better. And after all the tests and everything, they said, for a woman your age, your blood work is phenomenal. They said, really, you just have severe adrenal fatigue. And my, my diagnosis was adrenal fatigue, and my prescription was go home and rest for 18 months. And the first thing I said is, what does one do when they rest for 18 months? <laughs> so we can see what my problem was. I really didn't know how to rest. <laughs> and so at that point, we had to make some really healthy changes in our ministry. And it's sad that sometimes we won't make changes until we're forced to, isn't it? 
But we will either make them ourselves or we will be forced to. Our body will only put up with so much. And then it will fall apart. You'll start by not feeling good or having different times when you don't feel good. And only a fool thinks they can only do what they've always done. As you get older, which we all do, by the way, you will have to make changes. If you make gradual changes, your body will be able to keep up just fine. But if you think when you're 60, you can do the same thing you did when you're 20, you're wrong. Everybody has limits. I want you to hear that today. Everybody has limits. And if you think you're one of those people that has none, you're in for a big surprise. I think even some of our preaching has given people an idea that they have no limits. Take the limits off. That's a message I've heard. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, you can only do what God's told you to do. <laughs> if God's told you to do it, he'll give you the strength and the ability to do it. But if it's, sometimes we're doing things that God's telling us not to do, and we're doing it anyway. And those are the things that really stress us out. How many of you say yes to things while your heart's screaming no? Okay, well, then why do we expect God to do something about that? You know, we need to have the courage to say no to the things that we should say no to. And everybody wants you to do them a favor. And that sounds nice. And obviously, we should do people favors. We do things for people. That's part of what we do to show love. But if the Holy Spirit's telling you no, then you need to have the courage to tell people no and if that means they get mad at you, then to be honest, they're really not a good friend. They're not showing you love or respect because people who really love you shouldn't even want you to do something that God is telling you not to do. They should respect you for following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So, stress causes anxiety headaches, muscle tension, pain and fatigue, change in sex drive, upset stomach, restlessness, lack of motivation, lack of focus. I just recently heard that a human being can focus for nine seconds. A goldfish can focus for 10. So we have now dropped below the goldfish. <laughs> There's no telling how many places you'll go in your mind today while I'm preaching for these 40 minutes. You'll go to lunch. You'll go home and do some laundry. We do have a hard time keeping our mind on any one thing for any length of time. And part of that is just because of all the noise that's going on around us all the time. The beeps and the beeps and the, you know. How many of you think you can't even go to the bathroom without taking your phone? <laughs> you too tired to put your hand up? <laughs> you 
then you need this message. One friend of mine said, my phone no longer has bathroom privileges since I, <laughs> since I dropped it in the toilet. It don't get to go anymore. It causes irritability and anger. It causes sadness or depression. It can cause substance abuse. Overeating. Social withdrawal. Angry outbursts. And shallow breathing, which may not sound like any big deal, but deep breathing is one of the best things for you. If you watch a baby breathe, their stomach is always going up and down. They breathe properly. We breathe very shallow, and if you get tense, you'll really breathe shallow, and it doesn't help you. Well, as I said, I went to all those. I had all those, and they told me I had stress, and I didn't want to hear that, so I just kept doing what I was doing. Finally, I began to read books on stress, and I found out what stress really was. It's not that you can't handle life. Stress is living out of balance. We're supposed to live a balanced life where we do enough of everything, but not too much of anything. All the way from a balanced diet to a balanced budget. Actually, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, in the Amplified Bible, be well balanced for your adversary, the devil, roams around like a lion roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone whom he may seize upon and devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. So just a lack of balance opens a door for the enemy to come in and attack us. I'm sure some of you right now could think of some areas in your life where you're out of balance. You don't get enough sleep. You work too much. Don't have enough fun. Don't get enough laughter. Spend too much money on yourself. Won't spend any money on yourself. And I think one of the hardest areas to stay balanced is to keep that fine line between living a holy life and being legalistic. See, I really want to live a holy life, but I've been legalistic, and I don't ever want to go back there. And that, so that takes prayer and time with God and listening to God so you really can tell when you're getting out of balance. And in order to stay in balance, we're always having to make adjustments. Nobody just stays in balance. We're always having to Readjust. So many people ask me in interviews, how do you manage to stay balanced with all you have to do? And I heard myself say one time, I'm always balancing things out. And that's what we have to do to stay balanced. Spend a little bit of time with God at least once a month and just ask Him to show you if there's any areas of your life where you're out of balance. My husband has a wonderful theory about finances. If you follow this, you'll never get in financial trouble. First of all, you've got to stay within your borders. Anybody who spends more than they have is going to be in trouble. So keeping in mind what you have, you save some, you spend some, and you give some. It's not good for you if you work all the time and won't ever do anything for yourself. You need to spend some money to do a few things 
that you like that might seem frivolous to somebody else, but to you they're important. You deserve, after working all week, to do a little something that you like and you enjoy. And I don't like it when I hear people say, oh, I can do without that. Well, if you do, you're going to eventually get bitter. You're going to feel used. So some of you, the best thing you could do for yourself would be just, just be go out and do something for yourself. Go buy a new outfit if you're a lady or if you're a guy, play a game of golf, whatever it is you like to do, just do it. Save some money so when you get older, you're not broke and having to have somebody take care of you all the time. And always give some. But you can do too much of any of that. You can spend too much on yourself. You can save so much money for your future that you don't have any kind of life now. And then all of a sudden, you're old and you got all this money, but you feel too bad to go spend any of it. And actually, you can give too much. You can give so much that you're not even being wise. Do you know that giving something to people is not always the best way to help them? Sometimes the best thing you can do is not help somebody. Is less ever more? What about Martha? Luke 10, 38 through 42. Now, while they were on their way, it occurred that Jesus entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha received and welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and began to listen to him teach. Now, we've got two totally opposite women here, one a workaholic and one who was sensitive, sensitive enough to know that, you know, Jesus doesn't stop by every day. The dirt will still be here when he leaves. I'm going to hear what he has to say while I can. But Martha, overly occupied and too busy, I love that, was distracted with much serving, and she came up to Jesus and said, is it nothing to you that my sister has left me to do all this work alone? Well, aren't we like that? That's right, you just go have fun and I'll do all the work. That's the way it is, just sit there and enjoy yourself and I'll do all the work. Come on, don't be a martyr. I do all the work around here and everybody else has all the fun. Well, who's making you do the work? You could go have a little fun yourself. Is it nothing to you that my sister's left me to serve alone? Tell her. <laughs> Tell her to get up and help me. <laughs> to lend a hand and do her part along with me. But the Lord said to her, Martha, Martha. Well, there's a whole sermon in that, isn't there? Joyce, 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 how many times do I have to tell you this? Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. See, anxiety is not a new thing. It's always been around. It's just that there's more of it today because there's just so much of everything. I mean, we have a place in Florida that we go to I do a lot of my writing there, and in this particular area, they don't allow billboards. And it's amazing how much more peaceful it is 
just to take a ride where there's not an advertisement every 10 feet. You drive down the street and there's store after store after store after store after store. There's no way that there's enough money in this world to keep all those stores making money. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit, hopefully, before we're done this morning about choice overload. <laughs> we have so many choices that it confuses us. You know, it's funny, when I had eight outfits when I was a teenager, I didn't get confused about what to put on. <laughs> My closet was maybe about that long. Now it's a whole room, and it's full of clothes, and I go in there and don't know what to wear. <laughs> or how, how dumb is it to have a closet full of clothes and say, I just don't have anything to wear? <laughs> Come on, some of you are right with me. You know what I'm saying. And so, we all have more today than we've ever had. And you give us a year or two, and we'll have more than we have now. And I think sometimes the more we have, the unhappier we get. Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. There's need of only one or but a few things and Mary has chosen the good portion, that which is to her advantage, which shall not be taken away from her. So everything is beautiful in its time. There's a time to work and there's a time not to work. And if you are too busy to spend time with God, then you are too busy doing stuff that's not doing you any good. Amen. Everybody needs to have quiet time with God every day. If you told me, Joyce, I can come and hear you preach on Sunday, or I can stay home and spend time with God, which do you want me to do? As much as I'd like you to come and hear me, I would tell you to take, choose God first. Because I can preach to you and tell you things, but the Holy Spirit's the one that has to put it all together and make it make sense in your life. And we, we even have too much preaching. You'll hear me preach this weekend on stress, and tomorrow morning on TV, I'll be preaching on something else. And, and you can get on YouTube and get something else, and you can get out your downloads and listen to something else. And we don't ever stick with anything long enough for it to become revelation in our life. So we've got a head full of information, but no revelation. See? And I had, to, I had to meditate on the fact that God loved me for a whole year before I really got it. I mean, I read everything I could get my hands on. I looked up every scripture. I knew those scriptures. I meditated on those scriptures. And finally, I got it. God loves me, and he loves me unconditionally, and there's never anything I can do that will make him not love me, and there's nothing I can do that will make him love me any more than he does right now. And the Bible says in Romans 8 that nothing should be able to separate us from the love of God which is found in Christ Jesus. No kind of trouble, no kind of tragedy, nothing should ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. When you have trouble, if you ever hear yourself saying, well, God, don't you love me? 
then you're lacking revelation. The Bible talks a lot about meditation, and that means to take a scripture and roll it over and over in your mind and mutter it under your breath. And the best thing you could do would be to take some kind of notes from what I'm saying today or buy a copy of it. I, you can probably even go home and watch it online after you're done here. And then study it yourself. Look up every scripture. There's value in looking them up and looking at them. And then meditate on it. If you have a friend that you can talk to about it, talk to them about it. Let, let's talk about stress a little bit. What, what kind of stress do you have? What kind of stress do I have? What can we do about it? We need to stick with things a little bit longer because more is not always better. Sometimes less is better. Is anybody understanding what I'm saying today? I know it's early, but at least look somewhat alive, okay? Are we missing important things? Are your children grown and you barely know them? Are you married to someone you barely know? Are you lonely because you never took time to build any quality relationships? Now's the time to do something about it. Now is the time to spend time with your kids while they're still little and you got them at home and you can develop those relationships. And, you know, we're so busy making money, and I realize it takes a lot of money to live in the world today, but don't think that more money is going to replace the important things in your life because it's not. You'd be better off to have less money and better relationships. Because I can tell you, when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to ask somebody to bring you your bank balance. You're going to want your family and your friends around you, people who love you. You say, well, I wish I was closer to God. Well, we don't need wishbone. We need backbone. You're not wishing gets you nothing. Action is what gets you something. Anybody can make room in their life to spend time with God if that's what they really want to do. Let's talk about exercise for about two minutes. Can we do that? My husband's been exercising 60 years. That's why he's going to be 83, and he looks the way he does. 60 years. Is it 60 years, or am I wrong? I don't want to get corrected later. Has it been 60 years? Oh, close enough. He's not close enough. That's good. And, uh, I mean, he very rarely does he ever miss. Every other day, he works out. Well, I, he kept telling me, you need to exercise, you need to exercise. I don't have time for that. I'm too busy doing God things. <laughs> well, believe it or not, exercise is a godly thing. If you want to be, have longevity, if you want to still look decent when you're 70, then you need to start now. You need to do something about it now. So I kept saying, I didn't have time, didn't have time, didn't have time, didn't have time. And so finally, when I was 62, I looked at myself in the mirror one day, and everything that used to be up here had dropped down there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what happened? How did I get in this condition? Well, 
I'll tell you, prayer won't help that. <laughs> you, you can pray about that all you want. It's not going to move a thing. <laughs> and so actually, God spoke to me, and this is what he said. He said, if you don't start exercising now, you are not going to be strong enough for the last third of your journey. So that's been 16 years ago, and I, I started when I was 62. In two months, I'll be 80. And um, as we can see, I'm still doing it. And people ask me when I'm going to retire. I can't even say the word. I don't, you know, it's like, well, we won't get into all that. But, uh, but I, I have had to make some radical changes. And we're going to talk about how to make some of those changes in the next session. But I started working out, and I didn't think I had time, but I said this, I'm going to do what I can. Even if it's five minutes, I'm going to do something. And so it's amazing it amazes me when you really want to do something, how you can always find a way to do it. Where are you at? I like that. Because, yeah. <laughs> see, we all use that excuse, I don't have time. How many of you, that's your standard excuse for not doing things right, I don't have time? How are you, brother? Busy. How have you been? Busy. I'm calling that the new four-letter word. God never called us to be busy. He called us to be fruitful. He didn't tell Adam and Eve, be busy and multiply. <laughs> and we just, I don't know, that's become, that's like our badge of honor. We're busy. I remember a man coming to our church years and years and years ago. You might even know him if I named him, so I won't. And Dave and I were real young in ministry. We were just, I don't even know if we, I, I, I guess I was teaching a Bible study in my home then. And part of our job was at the church was to pick up the speakers. So we were hosting him that weekend. And he said to us, I remember him saying to me, I haven't had a vacation in 12 years. And I thought, wow, he is really spiritual. Now, if he said that to me, I would think, you are really stupid. <laughs> because that's not healthy. But see, we have just glorified work to the point where it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's like everybody wants to tell everybody how busy they are. Hmm. I don't know if you're much fun this morning. Huh? <laughs> I haven't decided. You're thinking, aren't you? My husband always tells me, leave them alone when they're quiet, they're thinking. <laughs> so anyway, when I, uh, I got a trainer, and they were going to give me this exercise program and do it with me a couple times, and I was going to go home and do it. Do that three months and go back and get a new program. So they gave me this list of stuff to do and went through it all with me, and I went home, it took me an hour and a half, and 
I was so sore that I had to pray to get off the toilet. I mean, I, <laughs> I, mean, I fell on it and then had to pray to get off. I mean, I was so sore, I honestly thought I was going to die. And, well, I guess so. I mean, not, nothing, I, nothing here had been exercised, nothing. And so then when I went back, I said, am I, is this ever going to, am I ever going to get any faster at this? And they found out I, they, what they gave me was two workouts. And I was supposed to switch them up, but I, I didn't, they didn't make it clear. And so I was doing the whole thing every day. No wonder I was so... So anyway, long story, after four months, well, I, I like working with them better, so I decided to just go to the gym. So after four months, I had dropped a whole size. Wow. Hadn't lost any weight, but muscle weighs more than fat, but it don't take up as much room. <laughs> and so I like that. I like going and getting my clothes taken in. So long story short, I've been exercising ever since. And I don't like it every day. It's not easy every day. Some days it's, it's hard, but I doubt very much if I'd still be preaching if I would have never done it. So anyway, you may not want to exercise. That's up to you. But there's, there's a whole lot of ways to do it. If you don't want to exercise, you can walk, you can run, you can bike, you can hike. You, I mean, there's all kinds of play tennis, do something. But move. God gave us joints so we would move. Amen. At least get out of your recliner and move. So, use your time wisely. Life is short. Believe me, it's a lot shorter than you think it is. I cannot believe that my baby is 43. My goodness. Five ways to de-stress. Practice shrug therapy. Oh, well. Oh, well, it's not worth getting upset over. There's so many things that we get upset over. This just, it's just not worth it. I spill things now, and I just think, oh, well, and go clean it up. Oh, well. This morning, I took a lid off my lipstick and dropped the lipstick, and we've had fun in this hotel. The lights didn't work very good either. And I was freezing in the room. The air conditioning is apparently controlled by a computer somewhere, and they make you think you can control it, but you can't. <laughs> and uh, so I'm crawling around on the floor this morning at 6 a.m. with my phone light trying to find the other half of this lipstick. And I mean, there were days when I would have ranted and raved and carried on and been so mad, and I, now I'm just like, oh, well, if I can't find it, I'll just leave it here. I'm not... I am not spending my life upset anymore. Is anybody with me? Come on. The devil loves nothing better than to upset you and watch you throw a fit. Learn what your peace stealers are and learn to recognize when the enemy is bringing one of them against you and do something about it before it gets to your mouth. Because that's when you start having trouble. So practice shrug therapy. Stay in your comfort zone. Know yourself. Don't compare yourself with other people. It doesn't matter what somebody else can do. You don't have to do what they do. You need to do what you know you are comfortable with. Amen.
Do you know there's very few people that have the courage to be themselves? I'm going to let you sit on that one a minute. Very few people that really have the courage to be themselves and feel like they don't need to apologize for it. So what if you can't? You know, I don't read nearly as fast as a lot of people I know. And I wish I read faster, but I don't. I mean, I know people can read a whole book on an airplane. Well, you know, a whole book takes me a long time. I don't care. If God wants me to read faster, then he'll have to do something about it. Come on, are you with me? Third thing, eliminate everything from your schedule that's not bearing good fruit. We talked about that. I'm not going to do that anymore. Are you sitting on a committee that does nothing but argue about what to do and never makes a decision? <laughs> I remember being on a church committee and how many meetings we had over what color to paint the front door. I mean, how dumb. How much time do you spend gossiping or listening to gossip? Yeah. How much time do you listen to other people complain about their problems and they have no intention of doing anything about it? How much time do you spend watching really stupid things on television? <laughs> or spend a whole night going from channel to channel to channel to channel? I do not understand how you can have hundreds of stations and none of it be any good. <laughs> I just don't get that. It's like, surely if I keep looking long enough, I'll find something worth watching. How much time do you spend surfing the web and never really find any meaningful articles at all? Do not, and I repeat again, do not waste your time reading all the gossip. Most of that stuff is totally untrue. I find out all kinds of uh, things about myself <laughs> that I don't even know. I mean, they know where I buy my clothes and all this kind of stuff, and it's, it's all just baloney. It's just all made up. Take time to relax and enjoy the things that you like to do. Choice overload. <laughs> do you know the average supermarket carries 48,000 items? There are 228 kinds of cold cereal. And these statistics are eight years old. So there's no telling how many there are now. A missionary came over from into Africa. And in Africa at the time, they only had one cereal. It was called Wheatabix. And they only came to America every few years. And his wife really liked cereal. So she wanted to go to the grocery store and get some cereal. So he took her to the grocery store. He stayed in the car. She never came out, never came out, never came out, never came out. She finally came out, and she didn't have anything. He said, well, why didn't you buy anything? She said, there is so much stuff in there, I can't. It got me confused. I couldn't figure out what to buy. <laughs> I did that one day with sinus medicine. When I was a teenager, you had Dristan. Does anybody remember that? Okay. I know I'm aging myself, but that's all there was. It was half yellow and half white. 
and it took care of everything. <laughs> now, now you, I mean, you don't know if it'll put you to sleep, if it'll keep you awake. I mean, you got sinus allergy, flu, drowsy, non-drowsy, you know, raises your blood pressure, does nothing. I, you know, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I stood there 45 minutes looking at all this stuff, and I just left. I just... How many of you agree that there's, we, just, we have choice overload? I mean, it's just... And so I want to encourage you as I try to close this up this morning to start making choices. And don't worry about what else you might be missing. <laughs> if you see something you like, get it and go home. <laughs> Amen? We remodeled a house, and I remember I spent days in the knob and drawer pull store. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole store that's just full of handles and knobs. <laughs> and then I spent more days in the faucet store. And I'm going to tell you the truth. This is absolutely the truth. After a month, I couldn't have told you what my faucets look like. <laughs> I didn't have the slightest idea. I think I knew they were gold and they were copper or some color. I don't remember. But. So the next time we built a house, we've only built three in 57, 56 years. So that's not bad. But the next time we bought one, I mean, the lady that I bought my furniture from, she said, I have never seen a human being make decisions as fast as you do. <laughs> well, I learned. We just spend time on stuff that nobody else cares about or will ever notice or see, and half of the time we don't even pay any attention to it. So I've learned how to make decisions. And part of the reason why people don't make decisions is because they're afraid they'll make the wrong one. And probably one of the worst wrong decisions in the Bible is the prodigal son. And even he turned out okay because after he realized he was way off, he went back home to his father who met him with open arms. So you can't make a decision so bad that you can't overcome it. One little quick story and I'm done. Former President Ronald Reagan once had an aunt, an aunt who took him, this is a true story, who took him to a cobbler to get a new pair of shoes. And the cobbler asked him if he wanted round toes or square toes, and he just couldn't make his mind up. So he said, well, you go home and think about it for a day or two and then come back and tell me what you want. So days went by and... He never could make a decision, and the cobbler called him. He said, your shoes are ready. So he went to get them, and they had, one had a round toe, and the other one had a square toe. <laughs> and he said, well, why did you do that? He said, to teach you that if you don't make decisions, somebody else will make them for you. <laughs> Come on, give God a praise. <laughs> All right, I'm going to pray for you. Father, I pray for everybody here today that they will have less stress and have the courage to make whatever changes they need to make and to realize that if they're overloaded, somebody else is not going to come and fix it for them. They have to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit and have the courage to cut off things that are unfruitful. You've given us peace, and I pray that we will walk and live in your peace.
and be an example of that peace all around us. And I pray for people that are sick in their bodies. And I ask that if they're doing anything that's causing it, that you will show them what it is. Even if it's something as simple as not drinking enough water. And I pray for healing and restoration. But I know in order for us to sustain it, that we must use more wisdom. So I believe that I have not wasted my time here or theirs and that they're going to have better, more peaceful lives as a result of being here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to connect with us, text CONNECT to 71010 or visit gatewaypeople.com. We hope you have a great week.